Welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast, a show dedicated to helping seven-figure plus store owners build incredible businesses and amazing lives. I'm your host, Andrew Udarian, and excited about today's episode. I've got some good friends on the show, uh, friends of mine from the the business tadpole, which is right down the street from me here in Bozeman, Montana. Literally, it's like four blocks away. It's pretty cool. I can, you know, to record this episode, I hopped out of my office, walked down and was in their office in like four minutes. And I'm chatting with Lee Cook and Jake Cook. They are the co-founders of, of Tadpole as well as one of their leadership team members, Hannah Jerome. And talking about open companies, specifically how they share all of their financials or at least the, the, the key financial results of their business, including net income with their team members, which is a pretty radical thing to do. We had a discussion in the private forum about if, if people did this a while back, I'll link up to it in the show notes. And the overwhelming response from people was, don't do it. This is a bad idea. But at Tadpole, they've, they've really embraced a unique uh, way of looking at this in a way that it's it's had great results on their business and they continue to do it. So I wanted to dig into that with them and, and not only learn about it from the, the owner's perspective, but also learn about it from one of the, the leadership members, team members perspective on the other side of the aisle to get a sense for how it impacted their motivations and their thoughts and their buy into the business. So we're going to talk both sides of the aisle, which is kind of a cool way to look at it. You get both perspectives here. So hope you enjoy. I had a lot of fun with this and I think you'll get some, if, if nothing else, it's a fascinating perspective into a company and best case scenario, you could come up with a strategy to really be able to increase the buy-in and the cohesion of your team at your, at your store. But first, I want to give a big thank you to our two sponsors. First to Clavio, who makes email marketing automation for e-commerce incredibly easy and powerful. Three reasons why you should use them if you're not. Are you ready? I'm gonna go through this quickly. But first, they have the ability to do some uncanny segmenting with your store. You can segment your list and send automated follow-ups to people who have purchased items, certain items, have not purchased items, have, haven't purchased in a long time, have purchased over a certain amount of, of you know, product or revenue. You can create some very cool segments and flows. Secondly, they've got a great visual flow builder. So when you're building out all of these automated flows, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to leave your head spinning. It's very intuitive. And then finally, They've got a very easy to use template editor so that your, your emails going out look phenomenal whether or not they're seen on desktop or mobile. So if you're not using Clavio, you should be, and you can get started for free with them with your store at ecommerceheal.com forward slash Clavio. And secondly, a big thank you to Liquid Web, the best place online to host your WooCommerce store if you care about reliability, scalability, and uptime. They have a proprietary WooCommerce hosted offering that's designed to just make WooCommerce scream from an efficiency standpoint. Super easy upgrades in terms of WooCommerce, core WordPress, and plugin upgrade management, and all of the important stuff that you need to scale, RAM, CPU, storage, bandwidth, you know, when you get spikes, scales up automatically. So you pay for it when you need it. And when you don't, you don't have to worry about paying extra, but you've got that peace of mind. It's going to scale beautifully. So if you're on WooCommerce, if you're thinking about getting on WooCommerce and want a rock solid platform for your store, ecommercefuel.com forward slash liquid web. I'm going to set the stage here. We're sitting around a table in this wonderfully upholstered, <laughs> what would you call it? Like a booth? A like, booth? Very classy Denny's style, but very yes. classy booth that, that Jake, you've reupholstered, right? Yeah. First and only thing I'll ever do that in upholstery. <laughs> To talk about transparent companies because I think you and I were having lunch and you kind of casually mentioned that 
that you and Lee run a, a very transparent company showing, you know, PL to your employees. And and I didn't catch it for a minute. I think we talked for about 30 seconds and then something like snagged in my brain. I was like, wait, what? Go back. You do what? <laughs> and um, so I yeah, I really wanted to dig into that because it's very unique and very interesting. So thanks for being willing to talk about it. Absolutely. But why why do you decide to do it? What what made you guys before you, you know, what led to you guys deciding to actually make that happen? So one of our core values when we kind of started the company was around couple different things. One was a lot of empathy or user-driven insights. And we felt like employees should also be lumped under that as well. So what's it like to work with Tadpole? And we always try and say with, not for. It's a subtle thing, but we really look at everybody's kind of as a teammate, not like employees necessarily, but we're, we're all working on this together. And so when we looked at OpenBook, you know, I'd read a book called The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. And he'd work with a lot of really blue-collar workers and they'd resisted unionizing based on this idea of opening up the books where the, the people that did the work could share the, the fruits of the labor, which seems like a very, you know, common sense approach, right? They had, they outperformed competitors. They just, just crushed it. They opened up all sorts of different lines of business as a result. And they, they credit a lot of it was open book. And when if you teach people the financials and the language of business, they know what the score is. And if they know what the score is and they're on a team, well, then they're more likely to kind of all line up and plow down the field together. And so that was kind of our idea of, hey, let's open things up. Let's share the financials. Mm-hmm. As bleak and dark as they were in the early days. Were they bleak and dark in the oh, early days? Oh, were they bleak and dark. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so with bootstrapping, yeah. yeah. And then it also, I think, helps, hopefully, with that transparency, it builds that trust. And so they understand that, okay, this is a score currently. And it's a, you know, it's a moment in time, but by doing that, everybody can kind of understand where, where the money goes. You see an invoice go out, well, where's it all going? Any, you know, just something like as simple as taxes, which is a lot or offering benefits and, and salaries, like, you know, that adds up to a lot. And so to eke out a profit to invest down the road for our future, it's, it's helpful to help them kind of see like what the score is and how that looks, what that looks like. Lee, can you talk about how, like exactly what you share? Do you share individual salaries? Do you share, you know, line by line expenses for, for rent and insurance and things like that? Or, or how, what do you share with your team members? Yeah, I think we generally just share basically big buckets where all the salaries are rolled into one big number. And so everybody sees that's the salary. That's what we pay people. And then there's a few other categories around, you know, this is our tax burden. This is, you know, just office utilities, rent, all that kind of stuff. And so it's all just kind of rolled up into big buckets, basically, just really helping people understand that, you know, health insurance, 401k, all those things, they, you know, they, those all fall under the salary bucket. And so just seeing that there's kind of, it's a, the pie chart and where it's broken out, as Jake mentioned, just, you know, some of the tax burden. And so when everybody can sit down and look at it from that standpoint and see what the daily and monthly burn rate is, and they are like, wow, that's, you know, okay. I, you know, I work on this client and that invoice is X, but that's, you know, three days around here. You know, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't go very far by the time you take out taxes and all those things. And so I think it, it does help people get a little bit more of a realistic perspective of what it costs to actually run a business. And then also just keep the lights on. Yeah. And you, you guys actually kind of have some rules for what percentage of your net income, because your team members can all see net income, even though it's, you know, after those bucketed expenses are taken out, what percentage of your net income goes to different things, right? Yep. 
Yep, exactly. And so we generally try to save about 20% out of each check that we deposit and just look at it. Jake and I both came out of undergrad around 2001 when we went through the first recession. And then we had a different startup back in, you know, 2000, we started in late 2006. And so 2008 was another hard time when the recession hit. And so we've seen things go south. And so we always try to run pretty conservatively. And so we save 15% for a rainy day fund out of every check. And then we put 5% toward marketing. And so those accounts are just kind of, we're just trying to protect ourselves from anything catastrophic. And so, and then we also look at basically what's left over, how much we reinvest for research and development and just try to, you know, in, in, in e-commerce and digital marketing, you're constantly having to innovate and create new things. And so there is some cost with, you know, data science and engineering programming to develop the next, you know, round of software innovation. And so seeing where all the money goes is I think really helpful and eye-opening for, for, our, for our team. And Jake, you were saying that when you set this up, a big part of open book is, is tying compensation to certain goalposts and, and milestones. Talk about a little bit of that if you would. And then, and then specifically, if you could give some examples of what type of, you know, cause that's, a, that's so hard to do when you're setting up comp plans. If it's tied to just gross revenue, if it's tied to profitability, if it's tied to a certain return on ad spend, whatever it is. So yeah. You know, Sales is very straightforward. Like hire a salesperson, you might give them a base and then they get a, a chunk for commission or whatever. With digital marketers or, or an engineer, how do you how do you reward them that way? And so Hannah can speak about this in a second because she's really taken this way beyond what we could have probably originally envisioned. But we tried to, you know, originally it was top line revenue and profitability. And then, you know, it was kind of five, it's up to 15% of your gross salary. So we want to make it substantial. Like it's it's real money. But it's really contingent on you on this person performing too. So the idea of just showing up at tadpole and I just get to kind of hang out and and wait the line doesn't really work. You've got to be able to produce value, and so you know five for top line, five for profitability, and five percent for personal growth or how you were doing. We've kind of since refined that a little bit in this, this next iteration. And another core value is everything's a prototype around here. So we always are looking and changing processes and workflows. And I think that's a really key thing in tech is you should always kind of. You know, nothing's really done. You should just, you know, hey, we're going to try it. We're going to test it. And then we'll iterate off of that. So the same thing we do for our clients, we're trying to kind of do with some of our stuff internally. So 5% revenue is pretty straightforward. 5% bottom line is super straightforward. That 5% on the, the personal individual, is it just a kind of a subjective issue from you as a manager to say, hey, like, here's where you are on that and kind of... It was. We've tried to since tighten that up a little bit more. And one thing, I'm still in Hannah's thunder here a little bit. She did a great job of putting together some employee surveys. So they'll go through and kind of self-assess. And one thing I learned from teaching college students was I always have them grade themselves and then you give them a grade. And then you see if there's a massive discrepancy between them. And then that way it's not like, well, you know, my boss didn't like me or my professor didn't like me. It's like, well, we'll have a discussion here across these these dimensions on how you did so we've since kind of gone to that and then grabbing a net promoter score to say hey would you how likely you'd recommend working a tadpole to a friend cool hannah can you talk about that just quickly because you set that up right the, that whole survey so how does that how does that work it goes out quarterly to to everyone on the team and, and what does it ask and net, net promoter score i think most people are familiar with that but is it is it just that or is it kind of more in depth than that yeah absolutely so our team members all fill out this quarterly questionnaire we have a variety of questions that basically ask them around personal growth in the core areas of their position. So we have these areas we look at, like technical expertise, creativity, and strategy. Obviously, working in digital marketing, that's a key component of the job. 
project management or client services. And in each core area, we're asking them to weigh in and really reflect on their own personal growth before they give us that final score. So what do you think you achieved this quarter? And then we can sit down with them as a leadership team and discuss it. And it's been really eye-opening, actually. We've gotten some great comments from the employees, even some things that we could look at changing a little bit on the bonus structure itself. And to Jake's point, that has been a prototype. We've certainly refined that over time, but really giving them an opportunity to put their own mark on it and to say, you know, I feel like I achieved this because I really grew in this area or I was able to achieve this for a client. It's a great, great basis for those conversations. So does it serve more to help you get a sense of if there's a big disconnect you need to talk about or do you actually compensate based on what they say in the survey? That's a great question. It, it's a little bit of both. We're always noting areas of growth or and areas of improvement too for each team member. But actually, those conversations have really helped drive the actual you know, cash bonus at the end of that quarter. And one key change we made this year is to say, okay, we're going to have personal bonuses that are very much tied to your personal performance. And we're also going to have profit share bonuses. And that's where to Jake's point earlier, as we look at sales and profitability and those margins, if we're performing well as a company, we want to give back out, but we also really want to mark that personal achievement. So maybe get a, you've been doing it for four years, I believe, maybe get into a little bit of how it's worked out. So in terms of, we're going to start with the good. So either maybe Jake or Lee, you guys can dive into that, but um, what have you guys seen in terms of the good from, from rolling this out? I would say, and it'll be good to get Hannah's take here as well as our first hire, I would hopefully, I hopefully people would say it helped build a lot of trust. I think there's always a little bit of suspicion, probably dating back to Karl Marx, right? <laughs> <laughs> On the man is keeping me down. Probably and, before yeah, that. I'm probably guessing. before that. Yeah. <laughs> He's really the one that codified it into a theory, but the Egyptians, I can say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hopefully nobody feels like a Nubian slave here where we're like lashing them to build a bigger pyramid. But, oh, that wasn't yeah. the, that wasn't the comparison <laughs> I was going for, but sorry if I'm, if it came across that way. Um, but no, I think this idea of, you know, management or, or owners, co-founders are making tons of money. And I don't think you realize quite till you get, you know, at least I felt that way when I worked at other companies was you don't realize all the other variables there are, you know, they're trying to put money back in so that you have a, a compelling product line in two years. You know, they may be taking, I had a, I worked for a software startup where the CEO was like in Europe doing consulting and we'd have big deals with big pharma and he couldn't make, make it. And I remember on my exit interview, I was like, well, you know, kind of what happened or, you know, I, it just didn't make any sense to me. And he said, I had to go take that gig for payroll. It wasn't like I wanted to be there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were operating on some of these variables. Mm. And but like he needed to make the money to keep the company afloat yeah. in a second job? No, well, he was, instead of like, you know, working on the company, he yeah. was having to work in it periodically. Oh, I see. Okay. And my job was more kind of on it and helping build this brand for the software thing. But I never, I remember sitting there just being like, oh my gosh, that, I, makes a lot more sense to me now. Had I known some of those things, I think I might have stuck around longer because I could have kind of seen like, oh, well, I'm not getting support because there's these other things that he has to optimize for. But down the road, as we grow, we'll be able to kind of kind of do that. So hopefully there's trust. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Second is we're trying to build a culture of, of entrepreneurship, you know, around when we work with some of our clients where they don't do open book and their financials are obfuscated, you know, the, it almost comes through. Like they don't really think about how to like make more money or be more profitable or really be effective in their moving product online. But we want everybody on this side of the table to think that way. Cause that's how we win when we get in front of a C-suite with a CEO or a CFO is we'll talk to those bottom line numbers and that resonates. So we want them to be thinking that 
as well. And I think one of the best ways is if you don't want to go do a startup, like join a, join one where you get to actually pretend like you're an entrepreneur mm -hmm. in a sense without having taken all the risk of you know putting your house up for collateral. So <laughs> you can still have you know dip your toe in the water without taking on all the risk, and hopefully the employees feel that way as well. Where just like us, if we're smart and identify market opportunities, and most importantly, take care of our clients, we can harvest on the other end and they should as well. The other opportunity that we've we've tried to express and tried to help our team see is really that if there's a project, they, a type of project that they really love to work on, great. Let's try to sell more of those. Let's identify opportunities to help other clients in that in, in a similar capacity. And so really trying to help them see that, oh, wow, I can really leverage my skills and help build the company by identifying these areas where I can, you know, if I want to specialize over here, I can try to do that. And so trying to create those opportunities and, you know, back to Jake's point of just, you know, really fostering that entrepreneurial mindset. So that people are thinking about it from a number standpoint of like, is this going to move the needle? Is this going to help, you know, improve the bottom line? Cause that, if that's what they have to think about at Tadpole, hopefully that's going to instill that. So they'll think about it for our clients as well. And I think it kind of starts here and then goes out. Hannah, as the first hire, when this rolled out, when you saw that first, you know, P&L, what, what stood out to you or surprised you about that? Yeah, honestly, it was it was pretty shocking. It's it's changed a lot as well since that first quarter, as you can imagine. But yeah, we we re really weren't bringing that much in that first year, and so just realizing like, okay, wow, I maybe have more student loan debt than we have in the bank right now, right? <laughs> and and that was just a a reality. But it also gave me a tremendous respect for Jake and Lee and the risk that they were kind of willing to take on very early on. And we, you know, we started out in their basement and we've certainly grown a lot since then. And the company's changed a lot since then. But just, yeah, seeing those numbers initially, it was like, okay, I'm making an investment here, right? I'm, I'm investing because I believe in this and they're sharing this information with me because they believe in me and they think we can do this together. So it really kind of changed the game up front. So did the company make less money than you would have guessed if someone had said, hey, how much do you think Tadpole's making that bottom line number? Did that, was it less? Just because- De you know? Definitely initially. I think, I think that trajectory has probably changed as we have grown. You know, what an employee, a new employee now would say versus what I- Right. <laughs> would have said that first year. And and not to say that to, to knock on Tadpole, but more of just a, like, there's a ton, even businesses that run fairly leanly. Like I try to think that I run our, my business fairly leanly, but there's months where I look at the bottom line and I'm like, what? Where did, where did everything? And I have to go back through the PL yeah. and add everything. And I'm the owner, right? Like, so. Yeah. Yeah. So did that, I mean, as, as someone who's a team member, did that, how did that, did that change any of your, of the way you thought about the business or your compensation in terms of feeling like you were, did it change any of, of the mentality behind being on the team and, and the financial aspects of, of being a part of Tadpole for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of it, a lot of it for me, I mean, if I, if the founders were eating beans and rice, I was going to eat beans and rice, right? Like I felt, I felt vested from the beginning. And I do think the open book piece had a lot to do with that. You know, I knew that we weren't making much on some of our initial deals. And so just being re realizing that, okay, I don't really have the right to a big compensation right now. Like that's not even, <laughs> that's not even an option for them. So why would it be for me? And it does kind of, it just gives you a real, I guess, appreciation for that 
early time in a startup and just realizing like, okay, I can help us get there by really being smart with my time and by figuring out how to really bring these clients value, we can reap the rewards as a team and grow as a team. Jake, maybe we can swing over to you and talk about a lot of good stuff, obviously, as you can hear from Hannah, but guessing there's been some maybe some rough patches, like any good thing that you roll out. Anything bad that has come about? Awkward conversations? Maybe you guys have a, a quarter that's rough and everyone's just like, oh my goodness, are we going to lose our jobs? What if, has there been any downsides to this or what have been the downsides to it? Yeah, I think some people, I mean, there's some folks that, you know, they'll go on and they'll, they'll you know, with Glassdoor and again, back to transparency, you might as well just open it up because people are going to, can probably, you know, reverse engineer it a little bit or they'll go on Glassdoor and find out what some of these salaries are at. And you know, I heard this great question, Peter Thiel, you know, the founder of PayPal used to ask was, you know, what's your unfair hiring advantage? And he asked SpaceX that because SpaceX was getting Caltech PhD rocket scientists to work at SpaceX for 75,000 a year. And the reason was they could go through more launches. You know, NASA's not launching rockets anymore. SpaceX is. Well, SpaceX, sorry to interrupt, but like if you watch those launch videos that they do, mm -hmm. like it, people just go ballistic. It's like a full on frat party back there. Right. You know, right. like when the thing lands, people are, it, you almost expect someone, it's just, people seem super vested in the company. Exactly. And I think, so taking that kind of as, a, as inspiration where, you know, some folks will say, hey, I, you know, I entry level, if I move to Austin or the Bay Area, I could make this. And I, I we try to be pretty honest, like, you're right, you can. And we probably can't compete and match. If, if that's what you're optimizing for is your top line revenue. Yeah, for sure. You can kind of see what, what the numbers look like on our end. So hopefully you feel like we're being truthful and transparent with, with you, and, you know, that this is kind of what we can afford to do. And I think, you know, you, everyone says they want A players, but you want the best you can, your business model can afford. And we're not going to out-compete a Facebook or a Google. I've had students go work at those places. It's fantastic. I mean, you know, the benefits obviously are incredible. We, we won't be able to compare for gross rev or, or that stuff. So you, you're talking about, you know, that unfair hiring advantage. Are you saying one of your unfair hiring advantages is that you are really open and transparent and people can peek under the hood in ways they can't at other companies? We hope so. Exactly. Yeah. And when you join Tadpole, you're signing up to be on a team of like really nice, really smart, really curious, motivated people. And so you're coming into work every day to work alongside that people are working just as hard as you, united around hopefully the same mission. You see an opportunity where you can grow your skills and you get to go through a lot of, you know, IE rocket launches as well, because you're working with some really great brands like Jackson Hole Resort or Caterpillar or Mr. Ranch Backpacks. So you're seeing things at a big like global scale and you're getting to really like get exposure to a lot of really hopefully cutting edge technology and trends in e-com. Lee, have you, have you ever seen anything? I mean, you've got two thirds of the bonus. It sounds like is, is top line and bottom line and one third is personal. Have you ever had any instances where you've had somebody, especially given everything so transparent, you've got someone who maybe isn't, isn't contributing quite as much as, as some of your top team members and it causes resentment because they think like, Hey, we're busting it really this top line and bottom line, a lot of it's coming from us, but kind of this other person is kind of just riding our coattails to, to this nice bonus. Has that been an issue or is that something where like people just don't last very long in the company if that's the case? I think that's more the more true. I think our, our culture is such that, you know, people really do produce. And so I think, and, and if they're not, they kind of feel it and they'll self-select out. And so, and we, we haven't had too much of that, but definitely I think we try to be really careful in our hiring practices to make sure that it's a really good fit. And we go through a pretty long, you know, interview process and we do some test projects and then we, you know, and so it doesn't happen too often, but I would say they generally self-select out. So we haven't had that come up before. I think 
whenever there is a, an opportunity where a, a, one of our teammates will come to us and say, you know, I don't understand this. It's generally just a really good candid conversation with them about, okay, these are all the factors that we're looking at. These are all the things we're optimizing for. This is the tax burden. This is our burn rate, you know, like help us understand where how, your view of things. And so it really helps to realign and, and, you know, I think it helps them see in a lot of ways. And it's just an opportunity to re-educate because sometimes, you know, if a couple months have gone by and we haven't looked at the financials very closely and bonuses come up and other things, I think that, you know, people just get weird perceptions. And sometimes it's just like, oh yeah, I thought everybody got this, but it's just revisiting some of those topics to really make sure that we're all pulling on the same end of the rope. Have you guys ever had any instances where you've had just a blowout quarter or a blowout year making a ton of money and it's awkward to share with your team. I mean, granted, you do have the profit share, but have you ever had that where, you know, it's just a really good year and you almost, not that you should feel bad, but you know, you, you do. Does that make it ever awkward or not really? Because that, that would be one of the hard, I mean, it's, that's the other side of this too, right? Like uh, you're still doing the profit share, but I, I could see that being potentially an issue or maybe not. You know, to date, it really hasn't been. You know, it's it's weird because as an entrepreneur, when you start it, you you can kind of have that scarcity, especially when you scratch it from nothing. You have a scarcity mindset, like, well, it's mine. I got to hold it close. And gosh, this is what I would make if I was working in an industry. Blah blah blah. Right. And you know, I'm guilty of thinking that way too sometimes, for sure. But when you start to watch, I think someone like Hannah come out, and in five years, like what she can do, it's just you're just you're so grateful for someone to be right there in the trenches with you. And as you add more people to the team, they're right there fighting alongside you and helping you build something, it becomes, it's just like, oh yeah, we got to take care of these people. I mean, and not only that, like just from a pure, like competitive perspective, if we spend all the time training and educating and getting them thinking about kind of our method and how we produce results and then they leave because of comp, like, oh my gosh. So I think our job for Lee and I is to really kind of paint the vision. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're going to do with software. Here's what we can do helping small teams use data to market better online. And we, we just need really smart people helping us do that. So um, to date, it hasn't been. But I also think that Andy Grove quote, you know, only the paranoid survive. So uh, <laughs> you're always thinking like, got to keep a lot of cash on hand and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just a quick note there too. There's a reason that our biggest profit share bonus is coming the fourth quarter. We ask our people to put in a lot of extra time and a lot of effort through the holidays. And certainly most of our Clients similar to e-commerce field podcasts, they are in e-commerce. Everybody knows that a big chunk of the sales come in through September all the way through January. And so it can be hard. And just in general, there's a lot of bumps on the road in a startup. And there's a lot of things that you're asking your team to do. And when you're hiring young people and you're putting them in these positions of just really taking them out of their comfort zone constantly you really have to have a big carrot too. And you have to say, look, there is a light at the end of the tunnel here. Another great thing we do is we take a week off between Christmas and New Year's just because everyone we feel like really earns that. So that's outside of um, just typical vacation times. So we can all say, okay, okay, cool. We got a profit share bonus if we did well and we really worked hard. Everyone take a week off and let's start fresh in January. Yeah. Hannah, one question. I'm kind of backtracking a few questions here, but Jake kind of alluded to when you guys were working, starting the company, working out of a basement. And Lee, I think you kind of came on a little bit later because you were you were working and uh, then came in shortly thereafter. But what, I mean, they said very glowing things about you. You're obviously like a super important part of the team here. Coming out of school, what made you 
stick with it for five years when you could have gone somewhere else? Was it how much of it was tied to the fact that they were really open and transparent with the, with the model? And how much was some other part of potentially the motivation that kept you kept you with the company? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Gosh, you're going to make me tear up here, Andrew. <laughs> you know, I think that a lot of it, a lot of it is the people. It always was for me. And so I knew that I could learn a lot from working with Jake and Lee. And honestly, coming out of school and I had had a couple stints with some bigger companies and and just realized, you know, I want to work at a place that my efforts can be tied directly back to sales, that I can actually see that work have a ripple effect and I can learn and I can grow and be exposed to some really cool people and some really cool projects. I guess for me, when when times got tough, my relationships with the team really held me in there. And from an open book standpoint, that helped with the when times got tough with clients or if we had a rough project or things like that. It was like, you know, we really need this for cash. And so I'm just really going to try to to do a really great job and deliver an exceptional experience, even if I feel like maybe it's not a great fit for the company. I just want to layer on the fact that Hannah um, had interned at Boeing the summer prior to graduating. And so she picked to take her chances on a startup and not retreat back to Boeing where there was a lot more security and a lot bigger paychecks. And so it's a huge testament to her and just kind of her, her, just her constitution, the fact that she was willing to put up with so much and really believe and keep believing and Frankly, a lot of times she made us believe. <laughs> so she is a key piece of the team. That's cool. Lee, anything kind of in wrap up here, final thoughts on kind of the open for good or for bad, the the open model of you know being transparent with with team members about finances? You know, I would say, you know, for anybody considering it out there, don't listen to your accountant, don't listen to your bookkeeper. <laughs> they will tell you absolutely do not do this. Yeah. And so I think it does have to be something that you're really committed to. I think transparency has to be, you know, part of your DNA as a company and as a culture to really see it all the way through. I think that it can it can provoke some really good conversations, but you have to frame it up that way. Not everything is presented as a just, oh, this is an opportunity to educate again. <laughs> you know, it's more like a, a criticism and sometimes it feels like that. And so I think you just really have to be prepared to have those conversations and be excited to take it on and help and really help people understand and instill that just that entrepreneurial mindset. And you guys have a software product, a very cool software product. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So we help kind of, you know, e-commerce companies kind of five to $50 million range. There's so much data they're dealing with every day. And, you know, we look at the tools like an Amazon has and we think, why, why, why don't, why don't the small guys have this? And so we've been kind of on a mission the last two years to help them understand who their most profitable customers are, what marketing campaign they came from, and then helping them look at a granular level, like how's, how's my SEO performing? How's my paid media performing? And kind of help plan campaigns across these different channels and then you know measure the bottom into that for for lifetime value and stuff so it's been fun we've had uh, we've been very blessed with some wonderful early beta clients like code and co in santa barbara mr ranch backpacks jackson hole resort they kind of they believed in the vaporware as we got going which was uh we were <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of these really ugly back to prototypes. The UX approach that looked like it was coded, but but yeah. you guys were all furiously like running calculators in the background. I literally just, coded yeah. the first demo yeah. off of a theme that I got <laughs> online, so um, which I had no business doing. But that's been a lot of fun. I think you know we look at ways we can help some of these these small companies that have maybe one or two people in house, maybe teams of five at the most. I mean, there's just so much for them to get done. In addition to doing trade show booths and a print catalog or whatever, so help them kind of level up and then use the software and then hopefully the services side and educate them as we go forward. So is it fair to say like 
because it, it sounds like, you know, if you're not super familiar with it, it could just like, well, that kind of sounds like Google Analytics, but the advantages over Google, Google Analytics, would it be fair to say a, it helps you plan out and execute those marketing campaigns within the software? And then B, it will give you access to a lot of data that, that Google Analytics won't. For example, like in our discussions, you've mentioned it'll pull in perhaps like your margins on different products and account for those. Google Analytics, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to pull those in. So stuff like that. Yeah. We always say that, you know, the base, the foundation is Google Analytics. But you know, if you're having a really high bounce rate on a page or your inventory's out and you're running paid against it, Google Analytics doesn't alert you. So we call it a ribbit, playing off the iteration of a tadpole, amphibian animal. But like, you know, the right data at the right time in your face can be really valuable. Like, wow, this campaign is really expensive and we're not converting very well. Well, if someone, you know, if someone doesn't, if your agency or you don't go in and check that for, for 90 days, like you can blow through a lot of money at scale. And so just like pushing that forward based on these different bands. And then using the, the data science to predict, hey, this customer actually isn't that valuable because they buy a lot and then they return a lot, which you know GA doesn't report back on that very efficiently. So when you kind of know at a one-to-one -one level who your customers are and like what's working for acquiring your best customers in the right at the right moment, we think there's a huge opportunity for mid-market companies. Very cool. And that's tadpole, tadpole with a U-P-U-L-L.com, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can check out the software there. And then Lee, you guys are hiring a couple roles in the near future. Anyone listening that, that fit those, can you talk about those in case they're a good fit? Yeah, definitely. I think as we look to scale and grow the software, we are definitely looking to find some salespeople that can help us in that process. And then beyond that, we are looking for talented digital marketers to help interface with our clients and help support people as they onboard and, and use the software. Cool. So we'll, we'll link up to both of those, the tadpole software, as well as the job descriptions, either on your guys' site, or we can put them on the job board, but we'll, uh, we'll get those linked up. So guys, this has been fun. Before we wrap up, I'd love to do, if you're up for a quick lightning round. Please. Yeah. And so I'll just go, we'll go around Robin here. So Jake, you got the mics. So we'll start with you and then we'll just kind of go around and then the last one we'll uh, have you guys all chime in on. Jake, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? The importance of constraints for managing your time and your health. <laughs> what, why? What? Uh, is there something in particular that, that made you think about that? Uh, I'm not that great at working out in the gym. And then I think there's times I'm probably not the most efficient managing my time. So trying to like get a little bit better at that. Hannah, what are you currently spending too much money on? My dog. Definitely my dog. <laughs> and that is the perpetual answer there. So. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, any Bozeman, any good Bozemanite, right? It's right, too much that's right. Yeah. Dog-friendly town. <laughs> Lee, what's something you're not spending enough money on right now? I would say recreational travel is something we're not spending enough yeah. money on lately. <laughs> <laughs> Just mostly business travel? Yeah, we yeah. travel plenty and it's really fun and it can and it can be rec feel recreational at times, but it's definitely for work. Jake, let's go back to you. What's one of the top three items on your bucket list? Living in a van down by the river. I think like that would be, van life looks kind of interesting. And uh, we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm very jealous of the, of the fact that you guys have, have a van. And um, so, yeah, that's super interesting in doing that. All right, cool. And then let's do maybe this question all the last two all the way around. So Hannah, top three or one of the items on your bucket list. I would really like to charter a little boat and sail around the Mediterranean. Cool. So hope to be able to do that at some point. I want to watch the Olympic swimming events some year. I'm not sure where, but I'm going to do that. Because <laughs> yeah, you, both, both you and Jake are, are high school, college swimmers, right? Yeah, we yeah. were high school and collegiate swimmers. So um, yeah, I just think it's one of the one of the coolest things that rolls around every four years. For the record, we don't wear Speedos anymore. Just, just, <laughs> just in case you have any questions on that. 
Uh, and then last question, uh, if you had to get a tattoo on your arm, like right here, you know, where everyone's going to see it almost every day, what would it say or what would it be? Okay. So mine would be All Things Must Pass, which is my favorite George Harrison album. Oh, we're getting we're getting shocked looks for yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, this is a really hard question. Um, yeah, this one wasn't on the outline I gave you, was it? Yeah, no, no, it was not. No, I think never give up. I think in a startup and in life in general, just that never give up mentality has to kick in. Yeah, I would say so- something around the lines of live fully, just living fully where you're at. Yeah, that would apply to startups and a lot of other things. Well, Lee, Jay, Kanna, thank you guys. Thanks for your patience too with the technical issues I had. Working like a novice first-time podcaster here. No problem. Batteries went out about four minutes into the interview. I didn't notice until about 30 minutes later. And it's amazing (laughs) these guys didn't just stand up and leave. But it's so cool to see how you guys run your company. And it's good to have you guys right down the street in Bozeman. It's uh, it's awesome to have you as neighbors. So thanks for being able to come on and talk. Thank you. Thanks for all you do for the community too. um, The e-commerce fuel, the the podcast and, and the forums are fantastic. So it's wonderful to have a place where all of us can kind of go online and check in and see what other people are working with. So thanks for leading the charge. Yeah, of course. Thanks. And you guys are going to be, Ali and Jake, you guys are going to be in New Orleans. So if you're in the community and you're going to be at ECF Live, make sure you track these guys down. They're awesome. So oh, we wouldn't miss it. It's going to be an awesome event. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. That's going to do it for this week, but a few important things to know about, especially if you're a store owner before you go. First, if you're looking to hire for your e-commerce business, make sure to check out the e-commerce fuel job boards. We'll get your job in front of thousands of qualified job seekers to find you the perfect candidate. And if you're looking for work, you should check out the dozens of handpicked opportunities along with lots of other roles that pop up every week at ecommercefuel.com forward slash jobs. And if you're an established store owner, you absolutely should be a member of our private community for seven-figure plus store owners. You get access to a discussion forum with over a thousand vetted, experienced e-commerce entrepreneurs invitations to our in-person member-only events, and access to our private review directory with over 5,000 software and service provider reviews. If that sounds interesting, you can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com forward slash form. That's F-O-R-U-M. And a big, big thank you to the two sponsors who make this show possible. First, to Clavio, who makes email marketing automation incredibly easy and powerful. If you're not using them for your store, you're leaving money on the table. You can get started for free at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Clavio. And then secondly, to Liquid Web, the absolute best place to host your WooCommerce store anywhere online. If you want a rock solid store that can scale with you when you need it to, check them out at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Liquid Web. Thanks so much for listening and looking forward to seeing you again next Friday. Want to connect with and learn from other proven e-commerce entrepreneurs? Join us in the e-commerce fuel private community. It's our tight-knit, vetted group for store owners with at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales. You can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next time.